And the children of Israel that were present kept the Passover at that time and the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days. And there was no Passover like to that kept in Israel from the days of Samuel the prophet. Neither did all the kings of Israel keep such a Passover as Josiah kept, and the priests and the Levites and all Judah and Israel that were present, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 300, Josiah and the Passover of 1948. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. In his memoir, Rabbi Shlomo Goren describes his overseeing the preparations for Passover on behalf of the Jewish soldiers in Jerusalem in April of 1948, several weeks before the declaration of the State of Israel. As you may recall from earlier discussions, Jerusalem was entirely besieged with an operation known as Operation Nachshon, allowing for one incredible massive convoy of food to arrive into the city before the holiday in order to sustain it. Rabbi Goren wanted to ensure that every soldier experienced a Seder that was conducted entirely in the law and spirit of the holiday. He understood that this was the first Jewish army to be fighting for Jerusalem in many centuries, and he believed it essential for the Festival of Freedom to be marked by them all on the eve of Israeli independence. But he needed help. All of the kitchens that would be open on behalf of the soldiers needed to be koshered, rendered kosher for Passover. Rabbi Goren writes, quote, Pesach was quickly approaching, and with it, a very serious reality. I had absolutely no means at my disposal. I knew I would have to kosher all the army kitchens in the Jerusalem region, about 36 kitchens, and that after we koshered them, we would have to keep them kosher. I had no tools and no fuel for the koshering process. I also had no manpower, and I did not dare ask for helpers because I did not want the fighters to leave their posts in favor of the Pesach preparations. I decided to use the yeshiva students who had not been conscripted. They couldn't learn anyway because Jerusalem was being shelled day and night and it was not safe to be at the yeshivas. During the shelling, the yeshiva boys gathered in storage rooms and bomb shelters. I asked them to volunteer for a few days before Pesach to come and kosher the army kitchens. Fortunately, hundreds of young men answered my appeal and volunteered to get the job done. I gave a course in our home in Jerusalem. I invited the yeshiva students to come in several groups, and I taught them the kosherit laws. End quote. Thus it was that yeshiva students would work on behalf of Pesach preparations for these soldiers. And, as we will see, the two groups would come together to mark a Pesach, unlike one held in the sacred city for many centuries. And this celebration would parallel in a striking way, the unity achieved in a Passover in Jerusalem thousands of years before. King Ezekiah is followed by Menashe, who plunges all of Judah into sin, idolatry, which makes its way into the temple itself. It is at this moment that the destruction of Jerusalem is divinely decreed. And while Chronicles describes a form of repentance in which Menashe at one point engages, it is not enough to undo the decree. Menashe's son further embraces idolatry, and thus we arrive to the age of Menashe's grandson, the young king Josiah, Yoshiao, who from the beginning reflects righteousness. He seeks to repair the temple, and in the midst of the repairs, the priest Chilkiah discovers a Torah in the sacred precincts, which he reads before the king. Chapter 34, verse 15. And Chilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the scroll of the law in the house of the Lord. And Chilkiah delivered the scroll to Shaphan. And Shaphan carried the scroll to the king and brought the king word back again, saying, All that was committed to thy servants, they do it. And they have gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it into the hand of the overseers and into the hand of the workmen. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Chilkiah the priest hath given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Chilkiah 
and Achikam the son of Shaphan, and Abdon the son of Micha, and Shaphan the scribe, and Asaiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me, and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the scroll that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do after all that is written in this scroll. The words read, Jewish tradition tells us, were Moses' promises of punishment falling upon the people if the Torah is abandoned. Josiah, informed by the seer Chulda of the disaster that is decreed upon the city, seeks to stave off destruction through bringing about national repentance. What Josiah begins will be one of the great spiritual movements in our history, and it achieves perhaps its highest moment on Passover. Chapter 35. Moreover, Josiah kept the Passover unto the Lord in Jerusalem, and they slaughtered the Passover on the fourteenth day of the first month. And he set the priests in their charges and encouraged them to the service of the house of the Lord. And he said unto the Levites that taught all Israel which were holy unto the Lord, Put the holy ark in the house which Solomon the son of David king of Israel did build. It shall not be carried upon your shoulders. Serve now the Lord your God and his people Israel. This last verse is a bit mysterious. And for the 19th century commentator Rabbi Naftali Tzviyud of Berlin, known as Natsiv, drawing on an interpretation of the verse in the Talmud, what this means is that Josiah is asking the Levites to place the ark in a secret chamber in the Temple Mount to prepare for possible destruction, but at the same time, as part of an attempt to create a spiritual renaissance, he is telling the Levites, serve now the Lord your God and his people Israel, which means that they are called to take on their other designated role, which is to be teachers of the Torah. We are then told of the Passover itself and how it was facilitated. Verse 7, And Josiah gave to the people of the flock, lambs, and goats, all for the Passover offerings, and for all that were present, to the number of 30,000 and 3,000 bullocks. These were of the king's substance. And his princes gave willingly unto the people, to the priests and to the Levites, Chilkiah and Zechariah and Yechiel, Rulers of the house of God gave unto the priests for the Passover offerings 2,600 small cattle and 300 oxen. What this means is that the elite of Jerusalem are giving of their own flocks on behalf of all the sacrifices of others that are required for the holiday. Passover offering itself, which is brought in the form of a lamb or a goat, and also cattle for all of the other festive offerings of the holiday. This is symbolically sublime because the details of the Passover are all about sharing and unity. Let us again review the laws of the Passover offering. Unlike a standard offering that is eaten in Jerusalem, the meal of the Paschal Lamb must be finished in several hours. It must end either by midnight or dawn. Unlike a standard offering with the Paschal Lamb, not a single bone can be broken. This means it has to be eaten slowly. It is also prohibited to leave even a bit of meat over. What this means is that the Torah with the Paschal Lamb sets up an obligation that is impossible to accomplish on one's own. To eat the entire lamb in one evening, one must seek out others to join in a meal. Thus, the Paschal offering is brought in a chabura, a group. And for Rabbi Joseph Soloveitchik, this is key to the ritual. He wrote, quote, Only a free and proud people think of others and share with others. The birth of the chesed community of a nation within which people unite, give things away, care for each other, share what they possess, is symbolized by the Paschal sacrifice. End quote. And Rabbi adds, quote, A new fellowship was formed around the Paschal Lamb. A new community sprang into existence, being together, living with each other, sharing something many possess in common. 
was made possible by the ceremonial of the Paschal Lamb, end quote. Today, at the Seder, when we lack the Paschal Lamb, the recitation of the Haggadah opens with the stanza, Halach Ma'anya, this is the bread of affliction, which contains the invitation, all who are hungry, come and eat. Rabbi Soloveitchik interpreted these words in a similar spirit. Quote, Halach Ma'anya is the renewal of a pledge of solidarity among the Jewish people. Solidarity between individual and individual and between the individual and the Jewish community as a whole. It is a proclamation that we are one people and that we are ready to help one another. Pesach night is a time of sharing. If the sense of solidarity, responsibility, unity, and readiness to share and to participate are not manifested and demonstrated, the whole Seder becomes meaningless, end quote. Pesach, then, is about covenantal unity. And, therefore, while Josiah will not succeed in preventing the destruction of Jerusalem, it is still no wonder that the Bible stresses that in terms of participation and unity, this was the greatest Passover in the history of the first temple. Verse 17. And the children of Israel that were present kept the Passover at that time and the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days. And there was no Passover like to that kept in Israel from the days of Samuel the prophet. Neither did all the kings of Israel keep such a Passover as Josiah kept, and the priests and the Levites and all Judah and Israel that were present, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. It is striking, therefore, to consider the Passover that took place in Jerusalem in 1948, right before the rise of the third Jewish commonwealth. Rabbi Goran describes a unified Jewish community cut off from their brethren throughout the Holy Land. Quote, During that period, we had no news of what was happening beyond Jerusalem. The siege was difficult, and we had no communication with people outside the city. The yeshiva students worked very hard, and had it not been for their work, I don't know if Jerusalem would have been able to observe Pesach properly and with kosher seders. I asked all those who were qualified to stay in Jerusalem and lead a seder, because we did not have enough qualified people in the army. The seders that were held in the army that year set an example for all the future seders that would be held in the army. This was the first year that organized seders were held in the army, and we did the best we could. End quote. Thus did Jerusalem in 1948 experience a true moment of covenantal togetherness. The collected letters of Tsipora Porath, which describes the holiday in correspondence to her family back in the United States, tells of her own experience. Quote, Dearest mother, dad, and Naomi, I must tell you how I spent Seder night in besieged Jerusalem. It was a wonderful evening, a huge full moon floating in a bathtub of blue with little sparklers of stars hovering close by. The Mediterranean sky defies description. It's even more brilliantly star-studded than a summer night in Vermont. And at eye level, all this beauty is silhouetted against stark earthy rock and rugged hills. We walked to town, marveling at the unexpected quiet. Not a shot to be heard the whole way. We were in high spirits, stopped off to bid Chag Sameach, happy holiday, to mutual friends, sang loudly and waved to people sitting on their balconies, enjoying the quiet and waiting for Seder guests. Everybody has guests this year. There are about a hundred drivers in town who brought the last convoy to Jerusalem, stranded away from their families, and of course hundreds of soldiers far from home, end quote. Thus the Jews of Jerusalem were joined by those who had sacrificed to bring them food, and all celebrated together. Parath describes her attending a Sephardic Seder as a guest of a large family, quote, As we mounted the stairs, I was a little apprehensive at the prospect of meeting three generations of relatives, but my fears were allayed in no time. I discovered that I knew the sister from my first aid course, and her husband and I had once done patrol duty together. There were several other guests, and reigning over all was a regal grandmother whose withered hand we all had to formally kiss following Kiddush over the wine. End quote. Describing her walk home afterwards, Parath adds that she encountered another Seder 
from members of another part of Jerusalem's Jewish community. Quote, At one house, we saw by the flickering candlelight in the window, a large family group huddled around the holiday table, the youngsters' earlocks dangling on the cloth, all singing with Hasidic fervor, transported with joy. Their singing had a haunting quality I cannot convey. End quote. A besieged Jerusalem without, but a united Jewish community within, capturing the spirit of Pesach in Jerusalem, as Josiah did so long before, echoing the Pesach of a Davidic king and highlighting thereby what the holiday is all about. As we come toward the end of the Bible, with our final episode to be released this Sunday, we may conclude today by reflecting in wonder on the recurring patterns of Jewish history and consider in hope what is yet to come. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to our final episode this Sunday, wishing you a Shabbat Shalom, signing off.